welcome to the Insolvency and Law podcast, providing specialist insolvency and debt-related advice for business owners and individuals. For more information on debt recovery, business restructuring, and personal and corporate insolvency, visit our website, www.insolvencyandlaw.co.uk, or call us now on 020 7504 1300. Hello and welcome back to the Insolvency and Law podcast. Insolvency and Law is an award-winning consultancy firm specialising in insolvency, debt purchasing and business rescue. And welcome to another show in our investment series. Before we get into it, I want to remind you to check out our other three podcasts that we've done so far as they are also full of useful information. So today I'll be speaking once again to Director Peter Murray as we cover yet another facet of the investment world. Peter, in our first episodes, we gave listeners an intro into Ponzi schemes. But as we know, there are many different types of investment scams people can fall into other than Ponzi schemes. And the sad truth is, is that many people invest their pensions, spouses, life insurance and life savings without really knowing the ins and outs of scams. So, Peter, how are you? I was about to say that's Tara. <laughs> Allow <laughs> me to introduce myself. Yeah, no, I am fine. Welcome back. I am fine. I'm glad to be here. And uh, yeah, uh, your question. Um, there are many different types of um, investment schemes that yeah. become scams, bringing about hundreds and thousands of victims in England and Wales, sadly. Yeah. So before we jump into the other types of schemes, could we just again touch briefly on what is a Ponzi slash pyramid scheme? So what are those? Let's start, let's ease into to that. Oh, I suppose the Ponzi slash pyramid schemes are the most popular ones. Mm. I think they're probably perhaps one of the most oldest of them all, really. And your Ponzi pyramid scheme is whereby uh, your supposed new investors pay for they actually pay the interest payments for previous investors and so we have just the funds just circulate the funds isn't actually invested in any legitimate um investments so uh they just go from you know the new basically pays out the old and there comes a time where the um, investors receiving interest payments, they become greater and greater and greater. And those investors making those investments don't, well, it's not greater than those who are receiving it. And therefore the investment scheme implodes on itself. And there we have catastrophic loss to those investors. Yeah. And that can be really anything. You can be selling small parts of something. You can, well, supposedly, it can be any industry. It's not really just specific to one industry, is it? It could be anything, any product, any service. Yeah. I mean, usually you tend to find that there is a product being marketed as part of the investment scheme. It could be property, it could be land, it could be mm. wine, <laughs> you know, mm. it could be um, pension releases and other unregulated products, you know, such as gold, wine, hotels, you know, parking, storage, you name it, <laughs> student accommodations. 
And so basically, you know, the organizers, they basically say, okay, you know, um, they actually know that there are uh, prospective investors out there. I keep saying they're looking to achieve an above average return. I think anything more than 5%, they'd be quite happy with because the banks are paying less than 1%. So, you know, these individual investors, they, you know, they are prepared to, you know, to look elsewhere for that five plus percent. And you have these scheme organizers, you know, would gladly offer them one of their bogus schemes to get involved in. No, absolutely. And I think maybe focusing in on early pension release is quite an important one to hone in on because we do see people like investing their entire pensions into things and sometimes it goes really wrong. I think it's important to be mindful, would you say, of anything that's an early pension release. You know, there's a reason that that age is there when it's meant to be released. Would you yeah. say so? Yeah, quite. You know, um, I would say that, you know, there are some pension releases, entities, which do actually work and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do actually deliver what they say. But um, in my experience, overwhelming majority of these companies, these pension release products, they tend to end in disaster very, very, very quickly. So don't believe for one moment in time you are transferring your pension pot from a safe, regulated entity, usually an insurance company or pension trustees, into one of these pension release businesses because it can end very, very quickly for you. Your monies can be lost literally, not necessarily overnight, but very, very quickly, and it will not be possible to recover it. Oh, no, that's devastating. That's absolutely devastating. Yeah. So I think it's just key It's key for people to be aware when they're listening to podcasts like this, just to be aware that what scams exist so that they can – do their due diligence what we discussed on last week's episode they can look a bit more into it and make an informed decision that's all we're really trying to get at um Mm. with with these episodes is is allowing people to have a really informed decision because look i mean people can be magpies sometimes can't they and you know things look shiny and dazzling and you know i think i just sometimes like you say peter if it's too good if it seems too good to be true it probably is yeah, yeah, really. I mean, you know, we've been involved some years ago. We were involved in a f- in quite a few land banking scams mm-hmm. where um, individual investors were duped into buying, you know, plots or parcels of a plot of land. And um, invariably that land would be um, green belt. So that land can offer no development potential for any, you know, for any property developer. So there's no value in the land or very little value in the land and certainly no appreciation. And these like lands are bought off farms, you know, usually farmland, and they're sold in parcels to unsuspecting investors by saying, you know, pay, you know, £50,000 for this now. And once once planning permission is obtained, the the value of your fifty thousand pounds will quadruple, or you know, we're four, five, six times much, much more. And you know how irresistible. And mm-hmm. um, investors were literally flooded into these um, opportunities, only to find out months down the road that these um, opportunities were absolutely worthless. Wow. 
And I think that feeds in quite nicely to another type of scam, which is overseas holiday properties, which don't exist. I mean, you, it's it's baffling that that people can get duped into that because you think surely you'd want to have gone over to you know whichever country and have mm. a, have a viewing of sorts of some kind of at least example property. But I suppose they say, oh, we're building it. Yeah, again, we've had experience with overseas properties, you know, where they may acquire the land Mm. and they may start building or start some foundation work, but they don't intend to even go 10% into the physical construction. So, you know, they've got all these really shiny, did you say, Sarah? (laughs) (laughs) Dazzling. That shiny, dazzling brochures. Yeah. That shows in that you know shows these apartment as a finished article. Yeah, that's what investors see. They see the finished article, and they see uh, that work is in progress, and you're you are able to buy what we call off plan. So you're able to pick your room, or you know to pick your pick your apartment or the room that you're going to buy into what floor, what end of the corridor, etc. You know, um, and eventually it never does materialise. You tend to find that uh, the company goes bust and investors' monies have disappeared. Very common. And you know what, though? I think think because a lot of the time these things actually do work out. You know, there's there's so many, so many incidents where um, people buy properties that haven't been built yet or fully built and it's completely fine and it's, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so I can see how people can get duped into to doing that when it's a scam because they can't really know. But there is something unnerving about not seeing a property before you buy it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? Funny enough, my nephew bought a property. Um, he, he actually completed. Oh, yeah. Well, not long ago, and he bought a property. You know, um, in Ellsbury in Buckinghamshire. Yeah. It's part of a new development. He bought it off plan. Mm-hmm. You know, hadn't seen it. Ah. Um, you know, couldn't see it because the, because there was nothing there other yeah. than land and construction work. And he even exchanged contracts, and there were the property still had not been constructed. Um, and eventually, he uh, managed to see a property to the one that he was buying, and only following completion when he actually collected the keys. Did he actually see the property for the first time? But you know, this was an established builder, established right. house, yeah, house yeah. builder going for donkeys of years, and uh, had a fantastic track record of providing very well constructed development. So, you know, my nephew bought with some confidence there. Uh, but look, this happens in England too. It's, this could be a same same scenario but where the developer has no track record and, you know, the developer disappears with your purchase funds before, um, you know, you're able to move in. You make some excellent points there, Peter, um, especially in the case of your nephew, because at least he could see this company's previous work at the very least, that mm. they've, they've, they've done this time and time again. So please, to everybody out there, please do not hand over your money 
to somebody who hasn't got a track record. And, you know, they may well be legitimate, but it's just very difficult to tell when there's no track record. And I suppose the argument is, well, everybody has to start somewhere. And that's true. But I think when you're handing over, if you haven't got money to burn, just make sure you're handing it over to people that have been doing this for a while and have a proven track record. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And just, you know, if you find that you need to do this or you want to do this and see if there's any way in which you can perhaps ensure your transaction. Yeah. It's it's possible that you can take insurance out to ensure certain transactions. I mean, outright risky transactions will not be available for assurance or there won't be any available assurance products for those things. But things like buying properties and stuff like that, you should be able to obtain, you know, some sort of insurance to actually insure your transaction. And you should do that through your trusted solicitors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just moving on to some different types. I've personally been seeing a lot about, I don't know how much experience you've seen recently in this because it feels fairly new, but there's like a lot of cryptocurrency, which to be honest with you, I don't fully understand. I have to be honest. I'm not sure anyone does. But there's a lot of those scams going around. A lot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And again, you know, we've you know, we've had clients who have invested in crypto and uh they can't they can't get their money back. There's one particular client, this was earlier on this year, perhaps as recent as the summer of this year, uh had a, a portfolio of two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Wow. Uh in cryptocurrency. Um and he's kept on contacting the institution or the company, I should say, to um, because he, he wanted to liquidate that portfolio and realise the cash. And um, they kept on saying to him, put more money in, put more money in, put more money in. He said, no, I want to take all my money out. And you know, that company, I wouldn't say collapsed. Well, I, I suppose they collapsed because we were instructed and when we got involved and we issued a petition to wind the company up, when the company was eventually wound up, there was just nothing there. You couldn't find any individuals. There was no app because it's all cryptocurrency. So, yeah. you know, you know, there's no physical. It's not a tangible bank object. Account. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no tangible assets there to put yeah. your hands on. And of course, you know, the, this particular individual, this organizer um, was laughing at all these investors mm. And he was tucked up, nestled somewhere in Southeast Asia. Wow. And never found. Never found. I bet he's never come to this country before. But no. yeah, you know, all these unsuspecting um, victims had all come from um, England and Wales. And, you know, we're talking about millions of pounds here that was lost, you know, oh, in cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, look, these organisers will always find a product or a scheme to offer unsuspecting investors to part with their hard-earned or cash-inherited or ha- however they got that, you know, their cash, there's always someone there who wants to um, relieve you of it. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, absolutely. And before we round off the episode, Peter, is there any other types that we've not covered that you've come across in your time? I've come across wine. Oh, yeah. I've come across hotels. We've been, in fact, we've been very instrumental in hotels. I've come across wine, hotels, um, student accommodation. 
have in come what across. sense with student accommodation investing in student accommodation that doesn't exist or what's what well, would be the scam there the scam is you know we are um we are converting uh. say an old office block in a university town or university city we're converting an old office block into a, a student accommodation the yield on those rooms if you buy a, a particular room for ex for say fifty thousand pounds you can rent that room out for say five thousand pounds per year so mm-hmm. you are getting a ten percent on your money and of course you know these are students you know that you're going to get paid because these students are funded yeah and so you know investors pile into propositions like that only to realize that particular construction did not complete wow. and so they don't get their money and so the money is lost. The company goes into a statutory insolvency procedure and insolvency practitioner is appointed and will let investors know, sorry, you know, there are no monies to be returned to you. You've lost your money. And this is very, very common. Wow. I mean, um, it's important to highlight yet again for people to do their due diligence. We won't go into that in this episode because we did cover that really extensively in episode three. So do go and check that out if you want to get a proper idea of what that means. We also have a blog post on what due diligence would entail as well. So check that out on our website. Um, But Peter, this this has been, I think, my favourite episode so far. Oh, really? Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Just just learning about how much you've come across and that you've come across every single one of these types of scams and how many different types there are out there that people should, should be clued up on if they can. Um, I, I've personally found it incredibly insightful. So thank you very much. You're more um, than welcome, Sarah. So that's it for this episode. It was more of a bite-sized episode, but we hope that you enjoyed it and that you got lots of information out of it. And stay tuned because we'll be having another one next week. Thank you for listening to the Insolvency and Law podcast. If you require additional guidance on any of the topics we covered today, visit the Resource Centre at our website, www.insolvencyandlaw.co.uk or call us now on 020 7504 1300.